Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, I'm Matt. I host this here podcast uh, along with my wonderful co-hosts Joe and Liz. Uh, we've we've introduced each other before in the past. I think today we're just going to kind of get into some stuff because we actually have a few things to talk about. Um, relatively, the first thing I want to talk about is actually like something that makes me a little happy, so I want to talk about it. Uh, Diablo 2 Resurrected had its early access beta this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Joe played in it. I know I played in it. Liz, did you get to play in it? Uh, yeah, I was playing on PS4. Okay, so we have a wide variety of, of discussion points here. Um, we get we did get an asked a question about this in the game in the uh, email as well. So I'm not going to go nuts here because we're going to talk about it then. But I do want to did want to mention that I, I don't even know how to mention this. When you start the beta for the first time, the updated opening cinematic plays. Oh, so good. Yeah, uh, Liz, I want you you should talk first about it because I wrote the post about it, so we all know what I think. So uh, the cinematics were just they're so astounding and after like you watch them and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is, this is exactly how I remember it. I mean, it's a little prettier, but this is totally how I remember it. And then I went back and I was looking at the old ones, like in one browser window and the Mm -hmm. new ones in another browser window. And Oh my God, they have like, they've completely captured the original one, but it's, it's everything is so much clearer and things you really can't see your teller going on in the original are just crisp and clear and terrifying in the uh, remastered cinematics. And it's just incredible. And uh, I installed it on my PlayStation and, uh, you know, the cinematics started playing on the big screen TV and I just sat there and that's like, it's, it's amazing. What I really noticed is, after you watch the new cinematics, mm-hmm. going back to watch the old cinematics is like, oh my god, did Marius melt? What happened to him? <laughs> it's they're so low resolution. I mean, they're so there's no I, definition to anything. But at mess. the time, they at the time they were like, and that's and that's the weird thing. Like I talked about this a little bit when I because I was streaming on last week Friday a little bit of it. it. It's weird how you remember it a specific way. And like you go back and you realize that it wasn't like that at all. And like, yep. like playing the remastered, it's almost like it's this is how I remember it. They just they just made it mm-hmm. not 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 look bad now. It's great. It's, um, one of the things that I don't mean to take this on too far of an off topic, but I, I think this will actually come back to that. If you've read Stephen King's book, Dance Macabre, which is a book about horror and the history of horror fiction in the United States from like the 50s to when he wrote it, which was like the late 80s. One of the things he talks about is the visual set, mm-hmm. which is a set of expectations that you will forgive in visual media. And it changes over time as, as the tools advance. So when you were like, when, in this example, when you first see a movie from like the fifties, like the blob, or I was a teenage werewolf, if you saw it in the fifties at the time, that was, that was the, the front runner for effects. Uh, the day the earth stood still these these things were very advanced for their time then a movie like 2001 a space odyssey comes out and without you knowing it it changes your understanding of what's possible and it changes what that old stuff looks like to you now when you go back and look at it It, the visual set has been updated uh star wars comes along and suddenly you're like oh oh and then the new Star Wars movies comes out and the, the effects have taken a quantum leap forward. And when you go back and watch the old one, it's still good. You still like it, but you can see 
oh, that's the, yeah, I can see that this is all green screen work now. And that's the kind of thing I think that these cinematics really point out to me. Uh, that the the uh, the state of the art in cinematics has moved forward. Blizzard mm-hmm. moved it forward um, by doing better and better cinematics. Uh, but as a result, when you go back now, when you watch that Diablo cinematic, when you when you watch the opening bit with Marius in the cell, and then if you go back and watch the original one, you can you, your brain is now like, oh oh, this is all the stuff I didn't see because this was the most advanced cinematic possible at the time. Mm-hmm. So they moved up from sprites to this, and so I was blown away by this. But and it's even if you just go and watch the original Warcraft 3 cinematics, which came out after that, and you can see that they're more advanced than the Diablo ones, and you can actually get a sense of the progression forward. Uh, it is something that I honestly... Playing the game is not does not give me this feeling at all, and I think that's great. The game still plays very similar. Um, how far did you guys get? I didn't get very far. I'll be up front. I was messing around. Into Act 2. Yeah, I, I did not get through Act 1, so I didn't go very far. Yeah, I was in the same place as you, Liz. When you got to Act 2, what, like how had your feeling of playing it come back? Like, were you doing it all like the way you did it before? So here's the, the weird thing, and I, and I commented on this on, on Friday. I instantly fell into old habits and like the way my hand was placed, the way I read in my keybind, so that I could like have them exactly as I needed them. Like everything was just like, I was back to being in the year 2000, uh, sitting on my, you know, dorm room floor playing Diablo. Like it, everything came back immediately. Like I remembered where stuff was. I remembered what markers to look for. I remembered the methodical pathing to walk, to find the things, and like, but the interesting thing is like, I rekindled a lot of that, that first excitement feel for me where like seeing the cinematics moving between the different, uh, chapters, like it or different acts, it had that same excitement as the first time I did it because it was almost like I was kind of reliving it. And that sounds cliche, but like it really did hit everything. And then like the added bonuses, the quality of life improvements that they made were just sort of like seamless. The only thing that threw me, we talked about this a little bit in, in staff chat, was I was very surprised that they had the NPC that you could just respec at. Um, and I hope, I, I, I shouldn't say I hope, I don't know if that was specifically for the beta, because that threw me, because in, in each of the camps, uh, you had an NPC you could talk to to change your your skill tree out, right, to re- respec everything um, and refund all of your your attribute points. You couldn't do that in the original game. That was the only thing that kind of threw me for a loop. You had like a limited number of times you could do that in Diablo 2 back in patch 1.3. But it was just good all around. Like it just hit me right in the feels. I was right back in there. I even commented how my hand was in the same claw shape that I used to play in and that it was hurting about an hour later. It's like I'm not used to this anymore, but yep, here I am. So just right there. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to like throw it to Liz for a second because you played on console. So you're using a console controller, right? Yeah. How did it feel playing with a controller? Um, I mean, I think it feels great on a controller. The one thing that feels a little weird is navigating menus, because when you open up a menu, like your skill tree and things, is it's it's acting like you have a mouse and you're moving the mouse cursor around the screen with your uh, thumbstick, and that feels weird. I think that's not a great design on console. They're clearly mimicking the PC interface with a mouse. It's totally usable. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that was that's really the only thing that made me feel like this doesn't feel the same as it used to. But like all of the gameplay did. Uh, have either of you played Diablo three on console? 
Oh yeah, I have it on the Xbox. I had it oh, on yeah. the original. I had it on the 360, and then I got it on the one when it came. Yeah, I love Diablo three on uh, PlayStation because it the game feels just really good on a controller because you kind of Diablo three feels when it was released, it wasn't on console. I don't believe that no, came later. No. Diablo they, they two it. was not, but Diablo one was. Yep. The original Diablo was absolutely, yeah. but Diablo three when it released was purely on PC. And, and then, then they added they, console. Yeah. And I think like uh, I think we've done a couple posts about this. I know I wrote one where I basically argued that Diablo 3 on console is the best Diablo 3. Um, I, yeah. It's like the, the <clears throat> control scheme, the number of abilities you can have at any time. Like in Diablo 3, you have like X number of abilities and you can switch them out for other abilities, but you only have X number of abilities. And that's the yeah. perfect design for a console game where you only have so many buttons. Yeah, and I think that's because of the mouse-friendly design of the of the mm-hmm. entire Diablo series. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it does make sense that Diablo Two works on console. But I mean, I play my first Diablo game was Diablo on the on the original PlayStation. Yeah, that's the how I got. It. That's actually how I got introduced to Diablo the first time too. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so for me, this is a really weird but fun thing that is happening, where it's it's available on consoles and you can be, you can play it on consoles primarily. I think that's something that didn't happen for Diablo two. This is Diablo two's first time on consoles. It never got here before. So just for that, I think it's really interesting that they've done the remaster in terms of how it looks. And again, we should probably move on to some other stuff because a lot of stuff's going on, but in terms of how it looks, I think people who are afraid it would look too different will be happy. Yeah, because while it does look different, because it looks better, it's just crisp. Um, yeah, it it just it does convey the feeling of the original game, in my opinion. It does feel like Diablo two to look at it. The best praise that I can give it is Diablo two resurrected. So far, is everything that Warcraft three re- reforged wasn't. So like that's a good thing. It is it is not at least from what I've seen of it and what I've been able to play of it not an abject failure and not a a failure to deliver on the promises made. No, it very much feels like they learned a lot from how how Mm -hmm. that screwed up. Although what they learned was bring in people who actually do ports really well. You know what? Uh, That's a great lesson to learn though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, But at this point, we're going to move on to talking about Hearthstone because uh, I was gonna like just say, "Hey, have Liz talk about whatever she wanted," but then in work chat she comes up with like actually a list of things to talk about, and I was like, "Yes, I can go put some ice in my drink." Um, but no, seriously, I actually wanted to talk about this anyway because last week we talked about quest lines, um, mm-hmm. and this week uh, I re- I remembered this before you even mentioned it today, so I feel uh-huh. I feel like I'm actually learning and growing. Um, the card nerfs rolled out. Uh, was it earlier this week or late last week? Uh, it was this week. Yeah. And so we want to talk about that because I, I think that's something that probably should be addressed before we we talk about cute you know, cute Thune. We should probably talk <laughs> uh, about the nerfs. I mean, honestly, I don't have a ton to say about the card nerfs because um, I mean they're clearly adjusting certain cards. They adjusted a handful of cards to primarily make them more expensive, so you couldn't get them on the board very as early as you could. And it was one thing I think the Hearthstone team does really well is they usually don't go in and make like huge adjustments and totally change things. So it's like, this is a lot of cards that have had their mana cost increased by one. And to compensate for that, like minions have usually had their health go up by one, uh, things like that. So they make these changes slowly. Um, But it also feels like Quest Warlock is still really dominant 
that they maybe in some places have not gone far enough. So I think it's a good attempt. And I think it's good that they take like these smaller steps. But I also don't know, we're still in this quest line meta, which is focused on OTK decks, which aren't super fun to play against. Okay, talk about the cute thing now. Um, Probably the more exciting thing, at least for me, because I don't play a ton of constructed Hearthstone, which is where this quest line thing is taken over. Uh, they released a bunch of skins for your battleground heroes. And I have really, I have really mixed feelings about this because it's it's a cosmetic skin for a character you may or may not play. And they sell them in like these packs of uh, I think eight. It's like seven skins and a new bartender. And they cost 20 bucks, which feels high for me, but also they have such amazing art and like art has value. I just can't, my brain is having trouble with this because I think Hearthstone has gorgeous art and having that art is worth it. But at the same time I look, I'm like, this is eight skins. Do I really need to pay $20 for that? Um, but they released two skin packs today and one of them is like all things cute. And they're specifically for heroes in the battlegrounds. And you have one of them is Cutethoon, which is Cthoon, except tiny and adorabler. So you have like baby Cthoon you can play in Battlegrounds. I'm sorry, I got to interrupt for a second. The fact that you said adorabler implies that you find the original Cthoon adorable. <laughs> and I just, I'm here for this energy. Oh, look at his big eye. No, I'm, I'm a horrible monster. You should be afraid of me. Look at the tentacles. You've got so many tentacles. <laughs> it's you. I'm not you know, I I had not thought that through before I said that, but you know, he's like kind of you know big and round, and that's kind of an inherently cute shape. I mean, it works for it works for squishables. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so maybe actual Cthulhu is cute soon, and then this is cuter soon. Mm, maybe I'll die over here. Um. <laughs> uh, and one of the other ones is uh, Mr. Bigglesworth, except as a kitten with like a little ribbon around his neck. Aww. Exactly. I mean, you just, uh, I am just really drawn to these. Uh, and at the same time, I'm like, oh, do I want to pay $20 just so I can play the more adorable version of Mr. Bigglesworth? I mean, it would oh. be better. You, you do think that sometimes it would be nice if they broke these things out into individual yeah. purposes. Yeah. Because uh, one of the other things in this uh, cute bundle is there is Gentleman Shutterwalk. I don't know. Do y'all know who Shutterwalk is? I think he's only in Hearthstone. I think it's only Hearthstone. I don't know who that is. I mean, it's this monstrous creature. It's a shaman card. And it's kind of infamous because when you played it, it would replay every battle cry that you'd played in the game. And a battle cry is an effect that happens when you first play a card. So you would put down Shudderwalk, and then Shudderwalk would go through every battle cry effect you had played so far in the game. And when oh, it was released, okay. when it was released, it was a real problem because the time it took to play through all the animations for all of those battle cries could like eat up an entire turn. Yeah, wasn't like, there weren't there people who were using that to like just basically make games never end? Yeah, to grief people. I remember that. Uh yeah. I mean, I don't know if people were like necessarily doing it to grief, but it would like 
that's just what would happen when you played Shutterwalk. Um, so Shutterwalk is kind of, he's uh, he's a monstrous creature. And uh, so the cute bundle has a gentleman Shutterwalk who it's kind of like he's suave and his hair is combed. And it's like this, okay, the sh- original Shutterwalk was a literal monster. And yeah, this it's is based like, on a Jabberwalk from, from uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is like the cleaned up version of Shutterwalk. And it's like a thousand times more horrifying than Shutterwalk. It's just, when I first saw it, I thought, oh my God, this is some horrifying fan creation that will haunt my dreams for the rest of my life. But no, it's an actual, it's an actual real skin in the game. Oh, it, oh I'm looking at a picture of it. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's got like a bow tie and a collar, but no shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why collars and, and, and cufflinks, like if, if, a sh- if you have the collar and a tie of a shirt, but no shirt. And then the thing at the end of the shirt, like for the sleeve that buttons up, but still no shirt. That's inherently disturbing to me. So yeah, I called, I called the snagglepuss effect. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but this idea that, you know, he's got everything for shirt, but shirt. It's like, ah, it's like, he's a Chippendales dancer. I don't, I don't want a green scaly Chippendale. And he's got this look on his face. Like, Hey ladies, how are you doing? Just, no. Are are you as horrified on looking at it as I am? I don't know if I'm as horrified as you are, but I'm pretty horrified. <laughs> that's, like, that's like, what is this thing doing? Is this like the, the opening of its speed dating moment? They're like, hey, I don't have a lot of time. I'm going to eat you. How's it going? No, no, you're leaving. Oh, well, next lady, how you doing? <laughs> I'm going to eat. No, they don't, none of them so you don't want to get eaten. Dang. And now I'm thinking about Hearthstone speed dating and how that could actually be a really entertaining game. It could be, or it could be this. Yeah, I mean, maybe that is what battlegrounds are. I don't know. But yeah, okay. Uh, so, anything else you want to talk about on Hearthstone before we move on to the other stuff we got? No, that's that's pretty much it. All right. Um, I I I gotta say, guys, if you haven't seen Gentleman Shutterwalk, you gotta go look at that thing. That thing is terrifying. <laughs> what am I saying? Don't go look at it. It's like the Tom Cruise mummy of Hearthstone cards. <laughs> By the way, Tom Cruise mummy was the worst mummy. There's there's never been a movie with a mummy worse than that. What are you talking about? The ever. last mummy movie they made was with Brendan Fraser. Continuing on. Yeah. Uh, so this one is, I think, it's just going to be one where we mention it. We don't have a lot more to say because there isn't much more to say about it. Uh, there's been a lot of rumors about Overwatch League having been canceled for the year, um, which was news to Blizzard. I mean, it's, there's been lots of reasons why people might think that, like a ton of sponsors dropped out, quite frankly. Uh, you know, even Coca-Cola was like, we're going to put this on pause for a bit. We're not entirely sure we want to be sponsoring this. And we all know why. Um, the Activision Blizzard lawsuit from California and the, you know, this the new sense, the, the entire thing of the employees rising up in almost open revolt, uh, that sort of thing. But you know, Blizzard has not, to, as of right now, as of this recording, as we're doing this podcast, they have not canceled Overwatch League. Uh, don't know where that story came from, but it wasn't Blizzard. They did not say it. I think it's been delayed, like, by two months. Um, do you guys, either of you guys I remember? I don't think it's been delayed. It's They haven't announced the 2022 schedule is, I think, the only thing. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. I think they just haven't, they straight up have not announced 2022. So, yeah, um... That's just something that felt like needed to be mentioned because people are out there saying, oh, yeah, it's been canceled. No, it hasn't been canceled. Uh, but 
this one is something we should talk about that I, I, I'll be up front. I haven't been on WoW in a couple of days, so I don't really know what we're going on with here. The empowered conduits that have been unlocked as of this week's renowned level. Um, what it, it just means your conduits get stronger. How, what, what, what are we doing here? Uh, players get if so basically the conduit sockets, if you don't know what they are, and I'm sorry, Liz, if you were going to say anything, I, I apologize. Um, but they're the things that you slot into the lovely tree that you get at your, uh, your covenant. Um, so the top levels of your, uh, tree are going to start becoming empowered, um, which essentially does mean that they just become more powerful. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, like I, I can't, I don't remember the exact specifics, but it's just basically like they get another, uh, bump up in power. Is that right, Liz? And she's gone. Uh, it's basically like they have an um, like an eye level upgrade. Like if you'd upgraded the eye level of them, it's kind of the same thing. It gives them a power boost. So yeah, that's open this week. Um, if you haven't already done that, you should. I believe the Covenant story is over too, isn't it? Like it's finished. Yeah. This no more this, story this week. This leg of it is over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying there won't be more, but the 9.1 changes and additions are done yeah. for now. Um, so. Yeah, there's there's still stuff going on. Wow, there there's that, <laughs> and now we move on to the stuff that's less pleasant to talk about. Oh, uh, Liz, you wrote a post, <laughs> and I wanted specifically to address it about how at the time you wrote it, which was I think earlier this month. I mean, earlier this week or the end of last. Uh, week. It was late last week. Yeah, that Activision Blizzard hasn't even addressed uh, their employee demands, the ones that, that from the walkout. They haven't even talked about them much less said, hey, we're going to do any of this. They haven't even said, we're not going to do any of this. They haven't even looked at them or, or at least publicly acknowledged them. Um, since you wrote the post, uh, and again, since I'm thirsty, <laughs> go uh, talk to us about it. Uh, well, I mean, that's that's kind of the whole thing. Actually, originally when I was writing the post, I was just like, I'm going to do a headline and it's going to be, say, it's been X days and Blizzard still has not acknowledged employee demands. And then I wound up writing like a 700 word post. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's really it. Blizzard has, they've made some changes, but they aren't changes that match the employee demands. And one of the things they've done is they've brought in a third party to like audit their HR procedures and all of that. But one of the things is that the third party auditor isn't an impartial auditor. It was someone who already had existing connections to Activision Blizzard's, Blizzard uh, uh, executives and um, has kind of a history of union busting. That's one of the services yeah. advertised on their webpage as we're here to offer you advice on how to get rid of unions in your workplace. They don't phrase it quite like that, but there's some very aggressive anti-union behavior uh, verbiage right on their website publicly. Uh, so it's like, but... Activision Blizzard management has not even acknowledged that they received these um, the this open letter signed by over three thousand Activision Blizzard employees. It's been signed by a third of the company. Not only that, but I mean, like a, they they haven't even responded to the the shareholder one either. Uh, no, I don't think they have. So they they did a few things, but they haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks now. And one of the reasons, really, the only reason I wrote the post is that this seems to be falling out of the news because there's nothing new happening. And you know us, us news hounds, we're chasing the next big exciting thing. So when there's not news, it you don't write about it. Well, And then it falls out of attention. Well, I mean, let's let's add this to the news pile then. Did you see that uh, 
uh, people who are associated with uh, a better blizzard uh, are starting to get approached by recruiters and they're being asked to stop being so publicly vocal about it uh, yeah, and to actually share uh, the changes that have been made, which uh, I'm sorry, what changes? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's um, I wanted to actually segue on to something else that happened last week. Um, that it happened after we did last week's podcast, so it didn't get mentioned last week. Uh, but three of Blizzard's relatively senior people were were let go last week, and they were let go very quietly. They weren't like they they were just kind of like gone, and then everyone was like, "What happened here?" And like, "Oh yeah, they don't they don't work here anymore." And those people are uh, Louis Baragia, who is who was uh, the, the 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 lead for Diablo Four. Like he was in charge. He was the game director for Diablo four. Uh, the Diablo four lead designer, Jesse McCree. You've heard that name before. He was also let go. Uh, and finally, Jonathan LeCraft, who, if you've been playing world of Warcraft for any length of time, you've heard of Jonathan LeCraft, uh, AKA craftiest. Um, all three of them were let go. Uh, McCree's name was listed in the BlizzCon Cosby crew picture. Uh, the the chat picture. His name was right there, along with that of Corey Stockton, who is not fired. He still works at Blizzard, but he's been put on leave and and hasn't been doing anything. Uh, but he's still there apparently. But the other three that I mentioned are all gone. Apparently, both Baragia and and um, uh, Lecraft were in the picture, the infamous picture of all the people on the bed with Alexander Siabi. And I mean, I don't, I, I couldn't tell you because I look at the picture and I don't know who any of those people are. Uh, but apparently they were both in the picture as well. And nothing has really been said as to why they've been fired um, or even that they were fired. It was like they've left the company. It's the same thing that happened when uh, Asrabi left, right? Like they just yeah. didn't say anything. They just like, yep, he's not here anymore. It was not for Sayabi. They did that last year. Yeah. Um, and I get like why they thought they could sneak that one under because they weren't, you know, that wasn't news all the time. But it's one thing to get rid of a guy who wasn't really particularly important to the day-to-day running of anything. Like obviously Abby wasn't doing anything well before they got rid of him. He, he had mm-hmm. almost no role. Uh, he, he'd done a lot of the, of the lead up to battle for Azeroth. And then he just sort of wasn't doing anything. It's another thing to get rid of, of the game director and lead designer of the big game you were working on for like the, for as soon as you can get it done release. That is, you don't do that if you don't have to do that. I mean, whether or not you think they should have been fired, it doesn't matter. To to know the way corporations work, it's rare that they would do that unless there was something that they were afraid of that hasn't come out yet. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it just it raises more questions than we have answers to, and yeah, we're absolutely. not likely to get those answers anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just one of those things that it caught my eye the second I heard about it was just like, no reasons given for the departure. No, re- you know, nothing was talked about. And we haven't heard anything about whether or not McCree's name is going to be taken out of the games that it's in. Uh, we know that Afrasiabi's name was taken out of World of Warcraft or is being taken out. of. But is, uh, are you renaming the character Jesse McCree? Yeah. You you named an that's... actual character. Go, go ahead, Liz, I'm sorry. I think that's really tough to remove that name because it's gotten so big in the branding and you have novels about this and you have comics that he's in. So it gets, it gets very difficult, but I think the same thing as the Afrasiabi thing, removing those references. If you are someone that this person abused, then you're seeing this in the game and it's kind of a slap in the face. 
I know slap the face gets used a lot in the video game community, but it kind of really is because if he's in front of you in this video game, it's celebrating this person, elevating them. And it's like, if this is someone who is abusive, who has mistreated people, then you are celebrating that abuse and celebrating that mistreatment. So if that's yeah. the case, it feels like you need to, but also it's very, that would be really, really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is I'm not trying to downplay the need to do it. I just feel like it's like, how, how are they going to get away with doing it? Like, yeah, I, it just, I mean, didn't, I, I know that they were like the actual announcers for overwatch were not saying his name. They yeah, were they, calling him the cowboy. Mm-hmm. Kind of an unofficial thing, but yeah, they've dropped his, his name out of overwatch league broadcast. Which I mean, did, were they doing that before he got fired or did it happen no. after he was fired? After. Okay, because it would have been like really odd to me if they'd done it before. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I did just this is and this segues kind of into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is that people are, are kind of under the impression that this is a blizzard thing. That it's just blizzard and if blizzard can fix itself then everything's fine. But just as one example, Riot Games is being sued by the exact same agency at the exact same time. It's happening right now for the exact same things. Um, and it isn't just those two companies. It's not even just that industry. No, but in within the industry itself, Ubisoft just came out like I think it was Friday. Mm-hmm. They'd already they'd already supported the uh, the a better the a better Blizzard people at the time, but they've come out with an open letter basically saying, you know, hey, you know, a better Blizzard a better ABK people, we're totally with you, we support you, and all thousand of us that have signed this letter are are you know hoping you that positive change happens. And to Ubisoft, you guys have been doing this to us for a year now, and it's you'd fix nothing. You said you were gonna fix it and you didn't. And we're you know, so it's now moved on to another company. Um and, and more are gonna come. Uh, I think we've seen more already starting to happen. There have been other companies that have been mentioned but the ubisoft one really got me because ubisoft is headquartered in france france has unions for game development Mm -hmm. this this is not as simple i mean and both of these companies i think i think activision blizzard is worth something like 15 billion dollars and ubisoft is worth about five billion dollars i mean it's not smaller it's just different valuations yeah for 4.5 billion according to the internets so these are these are big companies with a lot of pull. I think we kind of lose sight of that. We lose sight of how potentially dangerous trying to organize like this can be yeah. um, for the people who are doing it. And it's it's just it's something I really feel like we got to mention here. And the other thing that I want to throw out there too, and 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 just kind of add on to that is I've seen a lot of people just say, well, then they just should stop working, or they should just all mass walk out, or you know, whatever the case is, the, the problem is there's there's when you are in the middle of something like that, there is a sort a certain amount of, of fear because you need the money that comes from that job in order to pay your bills. And the problem is a lot of these jobs. And this is something that one of the demands that that, uh, you know, these employees are talking about is transparency with pay, because a lot of these people I know are living like paycheck to paycheck or are struggling in a lot of cases. Not everybody. Um, but they don't have the option to just not show up. They don't have the option to like just say, yeah, I can just live off my savings for six months. You know, it's it becomes a really tricky situation. And then they have Plus to worry also, about how far they can push it and what terms they can use so that they don't get fired before anything good can happen. 
also there's the the fact is there is a worry that you will not be hired at other places that's starting to change but a company this big can can really hurt you oh sorry not to interrupt you but this is from chat like yeah and not to mention health insurance how many people's health insurances are tied up in employment especially in the fact that we are in a global pandemic yeah in the united states that is absolutely a problem a lot of the stuff the ubisoft stuff is actually based in canada yes where you've got public health care so that's not a concern but for the the american employees of activision blizzard and not just people at blizzard by the way this is an Activision Blizzard problem. There are lots of studios at Activision, and they're all reporting this. This isn't just... There's a reason it's a better ABK and not a better Blizzard, because it's everywhere. It's not just one studio at Activision, and oh God, we got to fix it. It's everywhere, in every studio. And as Joe pointed out, it's not just in the gaming industry. It's in tech. And oh God, it's, it's awful probably, in tech. It's, it's probably in other industries too, yeah. but you know, I, we can't, I can't sit here and list, you know, every single industry and talk about how it, you know, it, it's just well beyond my purview, but yeah, this is, this is really, there's, there's actually a bit of, of courage that it takes to even do this, to even stand up and to, to even tweet at your, you know, nominal boss, someone who is well above you on the totem pole and say, Hey, that thing you did isn't good. Uh, you, you think that that's nothing, but it can it, they can absolutely ruin you. They've got billions of dollars, and, and it's without a thought too, right? Like they don't they don't have to care about you. No, absolutely, and, they don't have to take any steps against you. They can just fire you and be done with it. Because a lot of these, and that's the other thing that I, I always I like to point out in these discussions too, is a lot of these things happen in at will states. And if you're not from the United States, that may not mean anything to you. But at will states mean that you can be fired for any reason at any time. And unless there's a paper trail, the only reason that they can deny you like unemployment in a lot of these states is if there's a paper trail that proves you were a terrible employee schlocking off or whatever. But for most of it, that just means you lose your job. And in the interim, you lose that health insurance and you lose that security. And as somebody who went through, you know, unemployment before the pandemic hit, I it, it was awful to, to have that level of uncertainty and to be so concerned with where your next meal is going to come from, or do you have enough to pay your bills or, you know, I hope I don't get sick today, you know, and then think about that. Like you're standing up and taking a stand for what's right. And then you're in that position like that. It is a scary thing. And Matt's right. Like there's a lot of bravery involved in that to stand up and say something. Yeah. I, at this point, unless Liz, you got anything you want to add to this before we move on to the emails and stuff. I think y'all have covered everything I would have said. Okay. Then uh, I do want to say that, you know, obviously we here at, at Blizzard Watch uh, are in solidarity with the workers at, at all of these companies, especially, you know, because we, we kind of have an understanding from watching it how, how scary this can be to, to try and, and make positive change. So I, I did want to put that out there. But now we're going to move on to your questions. Um, as I've said before, if you've got a question for the site, you can send it to us via email at podcast at blizzardwatch.com and you can say if it's for this show or some other show whatever show you want to do but i mean really just this show why why would you there's no another other shows no there certainly isn't like a new show called tavern watch that you can ask like you know D and ttrpg questions to my god no sometimes uh, matt forgets who edits this podcast yeah um <laughs> no i just figure if i talk long enough you can't stop me eventually it'll be like 10 minutes and you'll be like oh my god i try to cut him out but he won't stop bringing it up uh anyway uh, if you wanted to ask a Pathfinder question, that'd be great. Uh, anyway, so yeah, you can do that. You can email them to us, or you can 
use our Discord. We've got two Discord channels. Uh, one is the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel that took me a year to learn how to say. Um, and you can totally put a question in there, and especially if you're a patron, because that's you have to be a patron. Uh, and that's so patrons get a little something back for supporting us, because without you guys... Uh, we don't have a site. And then, of course, if you if you can't be a patron, we totally understand that. That's a thing that happens. There's lots of reasons. Uh, we, do, we do have the Q questions channel, which we look inside and, and say, hey, there's, there's a question there. I'll grab that. Um, we're going to have Joe and Liz trade off uh, because that's the cool thing about having a third person is now we can have them trade off and <laughs> nobody's doing everything. So, uh, Liz, I'm going to ask you to start first. How does anyone think you say this name? That's Frentis. Frentis? Frentis. Frentis? Mm-hmm. Frentis. Okay. Frentis asked, I noticed the new 9.1 Night Fae armor set has a glowing pan flute on the hip of the pants. This makes me want to try to put a bard transmog for my druid together. Any tips? That I mean, a... that's, that's a tough question. That's yeah. a tough question. I suspect all three of us are pretty into transmog. Am I, am I correct there? Yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm into plate transmog. So I mean, so, there's the stylish shirts. I'll throw that out there. I think those are especially now that you can hide like pieces yeah, of armor. Say, hiding mm-hmm. stuff is going to be your friend. Yeah, they need floppier hats though in the game. I'm going to be 100 percent honest. There's if you want to be a bard, the, the game doesn't have the 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 nearly a floppy enough hat in my opinion. Uh, do you want to be one? like a do you want to be a German expressionist horror bard? Because if you want to be that, there's one hat I can recommend for you, my friend. The Olduar Rogue Set hat. <laughs> it is a big, screaming, Edvard Monkeyan head that, it, especially if you're playing like a Tauren, your face comes out of the mouth. Yeah, yeah it's, so, it totally does. So if you're playing a Tauren or a Worgen, you want to have your head sticking out of a screaming face. I recommend this hat to you. If you just want to ha- wander around with a big screaming face for a head, I recommend this hat for you. This is this is a certain kind of bard. Now, for like an actual, like not horrifying bard, <laughs> not not so much. I think one of the, the the things that I would like to see them introduce that we don't have it yet, but we kind of have the inklings of it is right now they have a lot of cosmetic backpacks in the game, whether it's from your mm-hmm. Covenant or um, Torghast or, you know, any like the various places that you can actually get them. They could totally make uh, back pieces that are instruments if they really, really wanted to. I mean, hell, the Night Fae just scream, give me a harp and strap it to my back. Like, seriously. If Druids could equip it, and if it was still available to get, there's an axe that is an actual... Guitar. guitar i missed that axe uh, but you can't get it anymore unless you already have it so and yeah. you know uh druids can't use it anyway because it's not a hammer but yeah there, there, there would be nice if they had stuff like that there is like a tricorn hat from battle for azeroth that has a feather kind of coming off at a jaunty angle i don't know if that would be kind of bardish i think that's just in kind of the generic alliance armor sets yeah horde can get um, it too Oh, but speaking of alliance sets, uh, mm-hmm. this is—I know this one is a, is an alliance set uh, from from the uh, Trial of the Crusader. the The leather sets that were available for Trial of the Crusader or for Alliance, um, I think they're called the Malfurion Battle Gear. Uh, is that what they were called? Yeah, I think I think that's their their Malfurion something or other. I know they yeah. actually have a really cool head, head like helm with a mask. And like these cool shoulders, and that does kind of have a bardy feel. 
It's it's like it's it's kind of like grand masquerade around the face, and uh, yeah, some of those pieces would work pretty well. Uh, if your horde, I don't think the horde set would work at all. Like, no, I don't think it looks it's good. it's all like weird pseudo elemental stuff. Yeah, I don't think that that would be as good. But the 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 leather set from the yeah the leather set from the the Malfurion's uh, battle gear or the uh, the rogue version too. I think the rogue version would also work um, when they have lookalike pieces. I, I definitely think that that's not a not a bad set to look at. Uh, Padilla points out in chat that the offhands for Night Fae are harps. There you go. Oh, nice, nice. So if you're a druid, you can definitely pick one of those up. But you're not going to see it if you're in, you know, cat form or bear form. <laughs> the the eternal druid problem. Yeah, I honestly. Oh, apparently there is a uh, Necromedes. The Death Resonator is a guitar axe from the Dark Moon Fair. It drops off of the Death Metal Knight from Vertigree. Thank if you. It's Vert. an axe. It is an axe. Uh, druids can't use axes. Yeah, but totally shaman can. Ha. Yeah, <laughs> but we're, we're helping a druid, man. <laughs> we're trying to help a druid. I don't know how well we're doing, but um, you know it, what's also not a bad one actually here. The Pandaria leather that you get in Mogashan vaults is actually not terrible. Um, it, it's got a kind of a, a fancy hat to it and like, you know, a kind of open, a little bit of an open collar and then the shoulders aren't too bad. And since you can turn on and off individual shoulders now, you could turn off one of them and, and it would look really jaunty. Uh, and I'm, I think jauntiness and bardicness are, are stuff you should be looking for here. Important. So um, uh, looking at the, the other stuff, like looking at leather stuff from Mrs. Pandaria, I don't think the tier 15 stuff's going to help you. Like I straight up, it doesn't really, it doesn't look even remotely jaunty. It looks pretty dark. Uh, and the barbed assassin gear, like the druid set, the barbed assassin, the shoulders might work, but the helmet definitely doesn't. I honestly say you should go look at Sunwell stuff while I'm thinking about this. Um, some of the Sunwell gear and heck, um, the scenario stuff, the, the, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember which set this is. The one with the big antlers. Do you remember what set that is? Uh, there's a couple sets with the big antlers. So uh, it depends on what tier. Like, I think tier two had that. Yeah. And then there was another one that had it later on, too. Tier two has like moose antlers going on and a hood. I don't know if that's too bardic. It sort of depends on what kind of bard you want to be. Yeah, I think. Tier two, a lot of the stuff from tier two might work. The shoulders are a little much, but the chest plate might work. Um, Listen, I'm going to say something real controversial here. I'm going to throw it out there. I don't think there's a real good way to, to do a bardic costume in, in World of Warcraft completely. I think your best bet, if you really want to do the bard thing, and I hate to say this, Final Fantasy XIV literally has it built in. You can be a bard. They have the floppy costume and everything. Well, see, that's the thing is that I don't think that bards need to have a floppy costume. I, my, none of my bards that I've ever played have had one. Um, but then again, my first bard was a Thassian. And, well, you know, the Athassian bard is pretty, pretty big on assassinating people. So um, there's actually a lot of unif- there's a lot of gear that I think you could put together into a reasonable look. Um, yeah. Like, for instance, looking at the some of the some of the gear is like absolutely not going to work for you. But some of the druid gear if you took pieces of it and put it together, it would actually work. I think you should basically start looking at Druid gear with an eye for mix and matching. Um, I, I think that that'd be my suggestion, but I can absolutely see why Joe is saying this because it is, there is like when I find a set and it's got a big glowing cat head on it, 
or big screaming face for a helmet. <laughs> this does not say bard to me. I don't I don't think my armor should be like Aah! that's not very bardic. Uh, so yeah. Um in my bardic costume, I have two mouths, so I must scream even more. Yeah, it's it's the uh, the the druid set with the 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 one with the big screaming face. I'm sorry. Uh, if you want to be scaring people, yeah, absolutely. But it's it it's just you've got a giant screaming head for a head on top of your head. Your eyes are poking out of the mouth. Unless you're a torn, in which case your face is coming out of the thing. I, it's just yeah, it ain't good. I feel like we have to stop because I don't think yeah. we're getting anywhere with this. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, we can move on to the next one from which is from six K then. Uh, which is question for the lore pod, but it was stolen for here. Uh, so um, to start playing the WoW game as a new player can be kind of confusing with the level squish and the narrative of eight expansions running simultaneously and six or seven different versions of recurring characters. That being said, is there a way to fix that experience to have it make sense to a new player learning about WoW from in-game for the first time? Uh, I'll be I have, up front. I didn't see that. It was you can skip it if you want to. I honestly didn't see it. No, it's a it's a good question. It's something we talked about because I think it's a mechanics question, honestly, and I don't think it's necessarily a lore question. So I think it fits here just fine. Um, Matt and I talked about this a long time ago, and then I want to hear what Liz has to say about this. But we always toyed around with the idea of what if you started using lore walkers for this effect, and now we even have the added bonus of like the night fay have this wonderful thing where they have a theater where they replay all of your memories. They could use mechanics like that to sort of give players the in-between stuff that they're missing and sort of try to present it in a way that maybe uh, condenses it down into something a little more bite-sized. Because honestly, there's a lot of stuff to consume, not just in-game, but books and everything else. And that could be a daunting task. And like when I talk to people and they say, like, how do I get into the story? Yeah, it's it's a hard question for me to answer, but I think if they made an effort, they could probably use what they've already established as systems in the game that we've seen them do with the lore walkers and now with like the Night Fae Amphitheater to like sort of make something that just runs you through the highlights of the things that you've missed. What do you think, Liz? Do you think there's a way that they could probably or what they could do to, to sort of bridge that gap? Uh, well, you know, if someone came up and asked me how to get into the WoW story, which they wouldn't because I'm the wrong person to ask, particularly in this company. I would say don't because the story, the story is a tangled web that has these really old roots in kind of very traditional fantasy storytelling, which has a lot of misogyny, a lot of fantasy racism. And even when we get to the newer, better stuff, you still have those roots there and the, you see that kind of throughout the wow story so there's some really problematic stuff as you go through this and maybe story elements that you won't enjoy or story elements that aren't great and things that aren't necessarily representative of blizzard today so i mean my thinking is you know maybe you don't want to know to go back and know the classic story because not all of that was good um and I, I think Chromie Time actually handles this pretty well. Mm. And it does that by saying, okay, we're not going to try to tell all of the story. It's too much story. A lot's happened in the past 15 years. We can't, we can't condense all of it. And 
just make people play through one expansion's story and then you're in Shadowlands. And play through a single expansion as a coherent one to 60, one to 50, and then you do the last 10 levels in Shadowlands. Also, uh, um, something I wanted to point out here, mm-hmm. a new player, starting the wild game as a new player, you don't get the narrative of eight expansions running simultaneously. No. Mm-hmm. You don't play those expansions. You don't see them. You get Battle for Azeroth. That's the start of the game as far as you're concerned. I think so, you can choose to go to not do chromie time. You you can't even choose to do it the first time through. If you've never played WoW before, if you are a uh-huh. new player coming to World of Warcraft yeah. right now, you can't do anything else. You do Exile's Reach, then you do Battle for Azeroth. That's it. You don't have a choice. And it's I only if that's... you've got other if once you've leveled a character all the way through, mm-hmm. then you can do that. Like for a lot of us, I've had so many characters at max level that, that I could immediately do it. But a, yeah. for for other, if you are a new player starting the game, you can't get confused by that because you can't experience it. I mean, I think it's totally acceptable to go into the story and say, "Okay, I'm not looking back. This is the story as it is today, and I'm moving forward." Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, there's certainly a lot of context you're going to miss out on. A lot of things happened. And part of the problem with storytelling in MMO is that lots of things are temporary. Like, uh, you know, way back in vanilla, you had the Anixia quest chain, which was this huge epic moment that you spent so much time working towards. And then you got to, uh, at least Alliance, got to challenge Anixia in the uh, Stormwind's throne room and you know, and then she turns into a dragon and it's a really big thing. And you can't, that's gone. Gone. Varian Rin has come back into the game and died since <laughs> that those quests were originally are out. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it is, there's been a lot of World of Warcraft over the years. Or if you're really, I mean, really hard up for wanting to know all the story, I heard this is the wonderful podcast that you can listen to <laughs> uh, that has a whole lot of history and story about this particular game. Uh, I mean, just going to self-promote there. Uh, there is always, as much as I hate to say it, Lorewatch is a really, I shouldn't say I hate to say it, as much as I hate to self-promote, <laughs> Lorewatch is a really, we do a lot of series where we condense, um, we've done expansions, we've done end of expansion uh, reviews, we've done we did stories a so far. Raids, we did a raid series that people really liked. And we're still going to continue that raid series as well. We're just, you know, taking a break to answer questions, but... We try to do stuff like that so that new players in particular, if they don't have the opportunity to go through and, you know, spend all the time with all the books or spend all the time trying to figure out the, as Liz points out, the convoluted trope filled story that is multiple decades old at this point, because it goes beyond uh, the MMO as well. Like the story started years ago in the RTSs. We try to give you a more condensed version of it. So, uh, I'm proud of the work we've done on that. And I think it's worth your time. If it's something you want as a new player, do honestly want to get into the story. Uh, those episodes are all available. So uh, one thing that did happen, gosh, I guess it was a year ago now was uh, a YouTuber named hidden Azeroth made a, the complete history of Warcraft in 20 minutes. It's a 20 minute video that tries to cram all of the major things in. And, uh, I would have a stroke it if moves. I tried to do that. Uh-huh. Yeah, it moves pretty quickly. There's some fast talking, but it it does highlight the major points, but it still takes 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, it's just so much has happened. It's hard to condense. Even if, like Joe said, the idea of the theater, 
I like that idea. That'd be a really cool thing. But it's like, what gets a theater set? And there's still so much. Even if you did kind of this theater thing or this lore walker thing where they're telling stories, it's a lot. Yeah. It would be a commitment to go through all of that. Yeah, it really would be. But all right. Um, since we're getting pretty close to the end, uh, I think we should probably just move on to doing one last email. Uh, and there's there's two that are kind of like smitched together because they didn't like the first guy didn't send his name or anything. But one person was asking, when's the beta? I really want to play. And we've talked about that. So there there you go. There's your answer. Um, um, the beta is. Thing. Yeah, well, go ahead. One thing about the Diablo beta is it was a closed beta this weekend for like early, early mm-hmm. access. And this coming weekend, it will be an open beta that anyone can jump in and play. So, yeah, that's when that's happening. But for yeah. the other question, I'm going to actually read one. Woo. Uh, okay. Okay. With Diablo 2 Resurrected almost out, I have so many questions, but only one I'm going to ask this time. <laughs> Why should I bother to play a game that's older than I am? Jake. Oh God. Jake, um, <laughs> I am restraining the urge to tell you like just so many swears about you reminding me that I am ancient now. So thanks, Jake. Uh, <laughs> go for it. Now you guys answer Jake's question while I sit over here going rats are frassin kids. I can't say anything because I'm I am as I mean I'm not as old, but I'm close. I'm getting there. Uh, I mean I think all of us played Diablo yeah. 2 when it was released. So uh, we're all maybe a tiny bit older than Jake. Um, I mean, the thing is that Diablo 2, if you like Diablo 3, if you like any of these action RPGs, any of this style of gameplay, Diablo 2 was really, it's kind of the granddaddy of all of these, this whole genre of game. And it's still not a bad game. It stands on its own. But, and it's one of the things I really like about Diablo 2. I mean, if you go back to Diablo 1, you have three character classes. You kind of have your traditional, you got a mage, you got a warrior, you got an archer. And that was Diablo 1. But when you get into Diablo 2, you have a bunch of really unique character classes with differing play styles. And some of that came over to Diablo 3, but not all of it. Uh, Like, I'm going to harp on my favorite Diablo class in the history of Diablo, which is the Amazon. The Amazon could wield a bow and be kind of the classic archer trope, but they could also use a javelin or a spear. So you're like, you could be this ranged ranged character shooting arrows or throwing javelins. Throwing a javelin just feels really good. Like, and you could throw your javelin and it just hits people with like... But also you could, there were skills that did, that were like poison javelin or lightning javelin, Mm. where your javelin is infused with this power. And so I always did like a poison javelin thing and you would throw your javelin and it left this cloud of poison gas that everyone would walk through and die. It felt so good. Um, It was the first Diablo game we saw a barbarian in. It was, uh, you had a druid, and it's a really interesting kind of druid. You could go super shapeshiftery and be a bear, a bear that walked on its hind legs and, like, slashed at people with its claws, which is a little weird. Um, or you could go, like, really elementally and spellcaster, right? 
I know you were playing a druid in the beta, Joe. Is that am I remembering that correctly? You are you are remembering correct. You could summon walls of fire, you could summon vine creepers, you could summon hordes of crows, packs of wolves. Uh you could do a lot of, of stuff that were very unique for druids at the time. And also were things that like things like Dungeons and Dragons weren't doing with druids yet. Um the one thing that I would say when when people ask me this question, I have got this question asked a lot, believe it or not. Uh, from kids at work who are probably about mm-hmm. Jake's age. Um, and mm-hmm. they ask why they should care about this. This is one of the rare instances where you get to play history. And the importance of this game, and I think as far as like games that have come after it, can't be overstated. Diablo defined an entire genre. It's like looking back at Dark Souls, or demon souls and like understanding like that's where Soulsborns came from that defined an entire genre of games. Diablo was that for action RPGs. Everything that came after Diablo two was trying to be Diablo two, be like Diablo two, but a little bit different or exist in the same sort of like Coliseum as Diablo two. And it's being preserved and updated in a way that gives it its best light. And that's not something you see often with a lot of these old video games. And we talked about this on the pre-show, and I talked about this when I was streaming. A lot of times, uh, us older gamers uh, will look back with the the rose-tinted lenses when we look back at some of our games, and we remember them better than they were. And we have that sort of filter that memory puts in place. Uh, you know, and it because it was the top graphics at the time or the best gameplay at the time or the best cinematics at the time. And now with technology continually m- marching forward, it may not be anymore. But this is one of those rare instances where Diablo 2 Resurrected is given the chance to be brought into the modern day and be preserved and enjoyed and viewed without being completely and totally redone and, un- and made into an unplayable mess. You don't get opportunities to play history very often, and it's one of those rare chances to do so. And honestly, if you are a fan of action RPGs at all, it's worth playing just to see where everything came from. And there are a lot of things that Diablo 2 does, like Liz said, that were unique that still haven't been replicated, not even in other Diablo games that have released since. Yeah, um, if I were going to try to give you any reason that you should play it, one of the things that I noticed when I went back to play it was that it, 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 the pace is different. Mm-hmm. Most modern action RPGs, which I, I think I've said before, it, like Diablo two is like the Beatles of action RPGs where they first know for one thing, there was a Diablo mm-hmm. one. Uh, but even before that, there were other action RPGs, but after Diablo two came out, you, if you wanted to tell someone what an action RPG was, you said, you know, like Diablo two. And they were like, Oh, okay. It literally defined its genre. It came out and suddenly everything was in relation to it. And I mean, one of the things that I think you'll learn if you play this is how much other action RPGs what they reacted to positively, what they said, Ooh, we want to steal this and what they reacted to negatively. Like tort, if you play torchlight, the first thing you'll notice is that torchlight is like, yeah, we want to be like Diablo two, but the inventory thing is real BS. We're going to give you a pet. <laughs> well, that, that, it does helps. It was made by former blizzard North people. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. But they, at the same time, they <laughs> said, you know, when we did that thing, this was probably not our best work. We're going to, 
we're going to do that different. Here, you got a pet that'll sell stuff for you. So you don't have to keep going back to town every five seconds. And you see that with a lot of these games. Like, uh, I remember when I played Grim Dawn, I kept thinking to myself, okay, yeah, this game wants to be Diablo 2, but it really doesn't want to be slow Diablo 2. Because there's times when you're playing Diablo 2 where the gameplay is slow. Mm-hmm. It's methodical. Yeah, it's me- slow and methodical, and that is not that is almost universally rejected by its its successors. It is rare to play an action RPG now that isn't frenetic. Like if you look at Diablo three, Diablo three is like the the knee plus ultra of this, but you get it in Path <laughs> of Exile. You get it in like the 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 chaos bane. Yeah, chaos bane the uh, the Warhammer forty k version. Fantasy Warhammer uh, fantasy. Yeah. Uh, oh, was it Warhammer Fantasy? Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, Martyr the, is the one you're thinking of for 40k. Same thing, though. Okay, but yeah. And there's the uh, the the Dark Siders one that came out. Uh, yeah. Was it Dark Siders Genesis? Yeah. Dark Siders Genesis. The, yeah. They they're all very frenetic, very hyperkinetic. Diablo 2 isn't. It's actually really fascinating to play it and and feel the slowed down gameplay. Not slowed down like when molasses slow, but you can stop and you can actually stop and think about what you're going to do in Diablo 2. <laughs> a lot more than you can in Diablo 3. And sometimes that's what you want. And sometimes it isn't. There have been times where I've like playing the beta. I've been like, wow, this is slow. And then there have been times where I'm like, oh, okay, I get to actually react to things. That's great. Because in Diablo 3, if you've ever played it, I love Diablo 3. I don't think I've ever made a sh- uh, any secret of this. But you can die in a second. Mm-hmm. You can be full health running in, in Diablo 3 and then boom, you're dead. And the only way to not boom, you're dead is to get gear that makes you better at not booming. And that's it. There's no, there is not a lot of thinking going on at this particular moment in time because there's nothing to think about. They drop, you know, laser beams everywhere or put poison on the floor. Did you have something that will stop that? Nope. Then you're going to die. Sorry. And that's the kind of thing that I think is really interesting and in, in, in informative to play through Diablo 2 and, and get to see it. And plus, yeah, you could have just played the original Diablo 2. It's still it was still available. You could have got it, but computers have moved a lot in in 20 years. It if you tried playing Diablo 2 on a more recent computer, you kind of had to make sure that it wasn't running at a different speed than it was originally intended at. Uh it was it was actually annoying. I had the discs. I tried them. Uh you you, you could have problems. So, I honestly feel like this is a really good thing and it is worth playing. I would absolutely agree with that. Um, okay, but that wraps us up. So Joe's going to do his thing now. Yes, I am. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads free site experience. Okay. Uh, since we do that final thought thing here now, because I stole it from Lorewatch, uh, like I steal everything from Lorewatch, apparently. I am a gigantic Lorewatch thief. Um, <laughs> but I do want to actually ask you guys both this, because we're in an interesting situation where Diablo 2 Resurrected is coming out with all of with the, uh, I, I want to say expansion pack, because they didn't have DLC back then. It's coming out with the expansion pack characters. It's coming out with all that stuff as part of the base game. If they were going to do DLC for Diablo 2, what would you want it to be? Liz, go. Now, um, I think you go back and do more, you do more classes, which is kind of traditionally what Diablo has done for DLC is you add more classes and each class uh, kind of has its own, has its own feel and its own story elements. And they really expanded on the story part of that in Diablo three. But I think, 
I would love to have new classes at Diablo 2, just because they've managed to make so many unique classes with different playstyles. I would love to see what else they could come up with. Okay. Joe? Uh, along the same the same vein, but a little more narrow. Give me a bard, please. I want I want it. It was it was promised to me in Hellfire, ding dong, <laughs> and I never got it. And I wanted in Diablo too. So that, yeah, I w- I would love to see them actually realize the bard class uh, because it was a cool concept that just never got implemented into the game. And I would absolutely love to see how a primarily support character would operate in a setting like Diablo two. And I think it's more likely to be acceptable in Diablo 2 than it is in Diablo 3, because as Matt pointed out, Diablo 2 is a much more deliberate game, and I think it would be easier in that regard. Okay. Um, I don't got nothing. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, don't, I can't throw that question at them and then not answer it myself. Uh, I think, honestly, what I would be more interested in is is kind of something like what joe was talking about with dishonored imagine if you could play diablo 2 as the dark wanderer let me play as rocket yeah but (laughs) seriously imagine if you could play as a dark wanderer and you could experience his story going through the various acts of diablo like hooking up with marius in the in the rogue citadel uh heading you know always west thinking you're in control until that moment where you realize oh i'm really not that 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 thing where i i stuck a evil gemstone in my forehead in the last game that wasn't a good idea oh i and i i know that there's a lot of ways it could be done poorly but i i would love to see a a real stab taken at giving you that experience because i think it would be really fascinating but uh if you know thank you guys for being here with us uh on behalf of myself uh liz and joe i'd like to say thank you for being here um I, i i we talked about doing this and I don't think we actually have written anything yet, but I I tried saying it earlier. I'm going to say it again. Now here at Blizzard watch, we stand in solidarity with the workers at Activision Blizzard and want their demands to be addressed and heard. That's something that hasn't happened yet. And it's something that really should happen. And so we're going to keep mentioning it until there is some movement on that front, because this is not a story that can be allowed to fall out. This is not something that we can let just pass. Um, this is people's lives, people who are the responsible for the games that, that have given us so much over the years. It's time for us to pay attention to the situation they're in and try to do what little we can to help. So yeah, that's that's very important to us here at the site. I think I speak for all of us when I say this. Um, yeah. But this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here with us, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>